0: I was flying out to San Francisco from New York. I did get flagged as I was going through TSA. I was perceived as male, so they had a male TSA agent pat me down, and it was a little bit stressful as they got closer to, like, my genital area. I was pretty tense the whole time because anything could have happened in that moment.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Kelly Edwards, and you're listening to Let's Go Together. One major thing that travel can offer us is a window into self-discovery. Today, I'm joined by Aria Saeed and Cam Burns. As global jet-setters, Aria and Cam not only have had to affirm their own identity as transgender travelers, but they also have to navigate the challenges that come with being a trans person existing in our current society. Aria and Cam, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us.
1: To get started, Aria... And Cam, if you can each tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah.
2: So my name is Arya Saeed. I use she, her pronouns. And I am a transgender advocate and political strategist based in San Francisco, California. A lot of my work is around transgender empowerment, most notably, I guess, in uh, co-creating the world's first transgender district right here in San Francisco. Um, And so because of my work, I have been able to travel globally to talk about transgender issues, transgender empowerment, meet trans people in different countries, and, and of course, in my own home in San Francisco and working with the trans community here.
1: Awesome. Cam?
0: Yeah, I'm Cam Burns. I use he, him pronouns. I am a trans journalist. I work for Wired Magazine, and I write a lot about transgender issues and mental health. I'm also one of the founding members of the Trans Journalist Association, which is a relatively new organization that provides resources for journalists at large and also is a community for trans journalists. And I also travel a fair amount for work.
1: Thank you both. So to dive into this, often we talk about identification in the world. And normally that involves race, ethnicity, nationality, but rarely do we discuss identification by gender, sex. For those who don't know, can you please explain what a transgendered person is, a non-binary person, and a cisgendered person, just so people can understand the categories or how people identify? I don't think people fully understand. So if we can just break that down That would be extremely helpful.
0: So trans, as far as I see it and understand it, is an umbrella term for anyone who identifies as something other than the sex they were assigned at birth. There are trans men and trans women who have transitioned from male to female and female to male. Non-binary people don't identify as either, may identify as some combination of both. There are also gender-fluid people, there are two-spirit people, there are agender people, and all of those fall under the trans umbrella. And then cisgender people are people whose gender do match the sex they were assigned at birth.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And so for those of you who don't know, now I hope you have a better understanding of how people identify.
2: Kelly, can I add to that, actually?
1: Sure, please. Because I know you
2: asked about non-binary. I wanted to highlight sort of gender nonconforming specifically. So I think there's a non-binary experience, right? Which is people who don't identify within the binary construct that we have for gender. And so I think with gender, what makes things tricky is people use gender and sex interchangeably. So your sex assigned at birth is more about reproduction. Like, are you a male or a female? And how you reproduce. And then... Culturally in in the world as we know it, we've determined that gender means that you have to follow a certain classification of of roles and expectations. But there is an experience of people being gender nonconforming, right? And we see that whether you're cisgender or transgender, which means that you um well not you directly, but like as a person, you may not fully fit what we have determined to be the norms. Of your gender. So, if for instance, if a man, um, cisgender man, is seen as feminine, whether they're gay or straight, it doesn't matter, like that is considered gender nonconforming, right? This idea that like men crying and things like that, those are like GNC gender nonconforming experiences. Or with women, if you don't sort of always wear dresses or if you work in like construction, right? Those are all things that are like loose examples of like being gender nonconforming. Or if you're a tomboy, right? Like these are all things that are actually gender nonconforming experiences that we don't actually think of immediately when we talk about trans issues, or in particular with traveling and like how you identify is also different than how the world sees you. That also impacts. The way that you get to travel and and how the world sees you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, with the breakdown of what both of you have provided me, I'm cisgendered. I am a woman who identifies with the sex she was assigned at birth. Correct?
2: Yes, yes, yes. You are, by definition, cisgender a cisgender woman.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> what was your first big travel experience? And Cam, I'll start with you.
2: Okay,
0: so I have been very lucky in that I've been able to travel since I was very young. My grandparents live on the other side of the country in Arizona and right on the Mexican border. So when those borders were more fluid, I was going to Nogales a lot. And that was always a really great and enriching experience. When I was 11 or 12, my family went to Beijing to visit some family friends who were staying there. And that was definitely my first big travel memory. It was right in the lead up to the, I wanna say 2008 Olympics. And so there was a lot happening and it was just unlike anything I'd ever seen or experienced before.
2: I would say, Similar to Kim, my family traveled a lot, but I think it was more for leisure. And so this was definitely in the early 2000s. My first big memorable trip was um, when I was in middle school, going to the Bahamas with my parents on a Royal Caribbean cruise. They loved to go cruising.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For marginalized individuals... Sometimes the riskiest places to travel aren't necessarily abroad. When we come back, I talk to Aria and Cam about what it's like for them to explore America as transgender travelers. Our guests Ari and Cam are frequent flyers who have not only traveled across the globe, but have also traveled extensively across America. We talked about what it's been like navigating the American landscape with a trans identity. What is it like traveling through America as an American with a trans identity? And maybe you can discuss, you know, your first trip.
0: So I will start by saying I have not been out for that long. I've only been out and physically and medically transitioning for about two years now. And for the first year, I just pretty much made sure I would not have to fly anywhere. I didn't make any big trips. If I did, they were by train or by car. So my first trip was a About, I want to say a year and a half into my transition. And I was flying out to San Francisco from New York. And it was relatively uneventful. I was lucky. But the return trip was less so. I did get flagged as I was going through TSA, which was not the worst thing. They just gave me the pat down, but it was a bit stressful because I was perceived as male. So they had a male TSA agent pat me down and it was a little bit stressful as they got closer to like my genital area. Again, nothing really happened, but it was just something where I was pretty tense the whole time because anything could have happened in that moment. Mm.
1: It's interesting that you share this experience because the more I do this podcast and I get to, learn about so many diverse experiences. These are things that I would never think of while going through TSA for myself personally. I walk through, if I get pat down, they assign me a woman, but it's so enlightening to know that there are experiences like this and they can be extremely anxiety ridden. And so thank you for sharing that because I think unless you are a trans person, you wouldn't necessarily think about that experience. And so it's interesting to hear to hear that other perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Aria?
2: Yeah, I transitioned in high school. So I think what makes, I think, my experience different is just the timeline of awareness for trans people and trans people having uh, more agency now than definitely back then, to educate the world on our experiences and and share our stories. When I was 18, I came to San Francisco. I moved to San Francisco around 17, 18, but I went to a smaller town in California on the coast um, with some friends. We took a road trip. And again, this was just a different time when people didn't immediately know what the word transgender meant. They had never seen a transgender person. This was before the era of visibility that we have now, where now people can see trans people on television and in and different industries and, and so on. And so some friends of mine, um, they're cisgender, some of them LGBT. And we went to a restaurant and the server, we're like ordering and we're talking, we're hanging out. Again, we're in this like small coastal city in California, Northern California. and. The server comes up to me and was like, you should be ashamed of yourself. This is a family establishment. Wow. There are children in here. It's literally what she, she was so adamant. I'm like, what? And she's like, you're a man in a, in a, in a dress and like freaking out. She told us that she refused to serve us. She pointed to the sign that says that they had right to refuse service to anyone. And so that was like my first brush with really sort of blatant transphobia in that particular way. I know we love to talk about how liberal the coastal cities are or the coastal areas, bigger cities, but I think people will find, if you talk to enough trans people, that transphobia exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. I've had similar experiences going to the South, but I think what's also different is like as much stigma as there is about people in the South, I find that people in the South have actually been a lot more respectful and a lot nicer to me than sometimes um, in more liberal environments like New York or San Francisco.
1: I have to admit, that is shocking to me to hear that, that you feel more welcome and accepted in the South than versus, like you said, liberal Mm. coastal places. Can
0: I add something there? Sure. So I have also sort of noticed that experience. And I think for me, at least part of it is that gender is more binary in the middle of the country and in the South. So in New York, I often get read as not so much anymore, but especially early on, I would get read as a masculine woman or a non-binary person because people are more used to seeing Fluid gender expression, whereas in the South, people expect to see men or women. So they put you into the category you most fit with. And so whenever I'm in anywhere other than New York, I am misgendered much less frequently than I am here. Mm-hmm.
2: And then I think also Southern culture, mm-hmm. there's still sort of a, um, a norm of, of being polite and minding your own business.
1: <laughs> minding the business of pace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you recall a time traveling abroad or domestically where you felt unwelcome?
2: I don't know if I have an experience of going to a place and feeling unwelcome so much as having going to a place that I know is traditionally not accepting of either LGBT people or trans people specifically and and having to be very vigilant about my safety yes because Kelly you and I were in Brazil we did that right and like
1: yes you know we
2: talked about it because we went to that club and I had an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. when we were outside that club there were folks gathering in the street and you know we're in Brazil and Brazil is beautiful and amazing and um the culture and everything and I was so excited to go and at the same time I was so nervous and like almost skittish because Brazil is has the highest mortality rates of transgender people in the world. United States is is second, right? And so, trans women are killed quite frequently and at high rates in Brazil specifically. So, I had to bring folks with me to travel for safety. Like, I was sending pins to the coordinators of that speaking tour just so that they knew where I was at all times. Like, and I think. Those are things that people don't think of naturally when you travel.
1: Uh, listen, I just want to provide context to a part of Aria's experience. Aria and I were both on a speaking tour for a company discussing women's safety throughout the world. And so we were both in Rio and, you know, after the work comes the play <laughs> You know, we were out, and if you guys have gathered anything about my personality throughout this podcast, I am very much a strong Black woman. And I stand up for my friends. I stand up for strangers. I am the person who literally wants to throw themselves in the line of fire when it comes to people I care about. And Ari is someone that I care about. Sorry. Oh, I love you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so when we were out, Just to be honest with everyone, I was like, if anyone comes up to her and they say anything inappropriate, do anything inappropriate, I guess I'm going to have to pull these dukes out because (laughs) there's there's no way in heck I'm going to let anything happen to Aria while we're out here. And so it was a heightened sense of protection that I felt over you. Someone who obviously can handle their own. You know, as a woman who travels, who's also Black, I also always have to be on high alert. But to be on high alert for myself and then to be on high alert for my friend, who's a transgendered woman, who when you walk in a room, your presence is absolutely noticed. And that's just the truth. Mm -hmm. And so needless to say, I could sense your anxiety. And I asked you several times if you're all right, because at the end of the day, we didn't have to be out. (laughs) You know, we could have went back to our Airbnb and just relax. And so I'm glad we had a great time that evening. It actually was a lot of fun. And I'm glad I, I was able to have that experience with you in and learning and how to navigate when I'm in the presence of my friend who may have a different experience than me. So
2: for so many years I also was always afraid of trying new things or being in large crowds. But you know, you don't want to like hide in the house. <laughs> like, right. Sometimes you just want to live in the moment, like everyone else gets to. Even in some of the quote unquote more liberal places, like even when I go to Europe, I still have that experience of of looking over my shoulder. And because the you know the language isn't my language, like are people looking at me? Do they know? Like, am I sa- If my is my safety in jeopardy? I went to Barcelona alone a few years ago to do my own solo travel, and it was both the best and most exhilarating experience but also the most daunting one because not only was i a black woman in a country like spain where there's not a lot of black people i also am trans and so in navigating you know people were staring at me and i couldn't figure out if it was because i was plus size or because i'm black or because i'm trans like and i think that is an experience that most people don't, they have the privilege of not thinking of, not thinking that their safety would be immediately compromised, no matter where they go, right? I think most people, they think of their safety being compromised in countries with like political warfare and, oh, I have an American passport and I'm scared to go to Jordan or Lebanon or wherever, right? Like not thinking about their safety, no matter where they go, whether they go to an American city um, you know, that's a two-hour flight away or, you know, 15 hours in a different country.
1: Absolutely. Cam, would you like to share? Sure.
0: One thing that I personally like to emphasize and the Trans Journalists Association likes to emphasize is that there is not just one trans experience. And I think really good evidence of that is that I really haven't had to worry about sort of what Aria has described as much, because I am a white man. I pass 90% of the time as cis, so I can move through the world without much fear in my day-to-day life. The most stressful part of traveling for me is the airport, because that's when my body is under the most scrutiny but I really haven't had to worry about as much in the day to day. Granted, I haven't traveled internationally since coming out. And I imagine in places where homophobia is more common, I would probably face a little more trouble because I do look visibly queer. But at the same time, I am a white man and I have that privilege.
1: I'm glad you shared that perspective because you, You're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many different layers to privilege in this world. And you just brought up one that is absolutely at the forefront. The privilege of identifying and appearing as a white male. And here is Aria, a Black woman. So there's definitely also a different way that you each have to navigate the world as trans people. Is there anywhere abroad that you do feel safe? Yeah. I mean, I think
2: safety is a spectrum for me. So it like ebbs and flows depending on context and circumstance. And I had an amazing experience in in Brazil and I felt so much love and from people just in general. And I think That was something that was a shift for me is to not just sort of focus on stigma or what I've heard about a place before going there. Cities that I've had the best experience in terms of being able to quiet my mind and just sort of like roam freely would definitely be, you know, Paris, London, Mexico City. Like these are all places that I had good times in. I maybe didn't have to be as considerate of my safety.
1: Before embarking on a trip, most of us have a mental list of what we need to do and what we need to prepare for our journey. For trans people, that list includes a lot of extra steps to ensure both their safety and comfort. Aria and Cam explained to me the thought process they go through before heading out on a trip. What things do you have to consider when preparing for a trip, Cam?
0: First of all, I very recently changed my legal name and got an ID with my new legal name and my correct sex mail. So that has helped a lot because before when I was traveling, I would have to get a boarding pass in my old name. And that always got looks and confusion. And luckily, it usually wasn't a huge deal because I was flying out of New York, but it was always something kind of in the front of my mind. And I've had top surgery, which is essentially a breast removal surgery, but before that, I usually wore a binder um which compresses your chest, but while flying, I would wear a sports bra and an oversized shirt instead because I knew there was a chance I would be padded down and again I just didn't want to
2: explain that.
1: Hmm. Aria, how do you prepare? for a trip?
2: Yeah. um,
1: Besides showing up fly. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I have my own experiences traveling too. And then I've seen how some of my friends have different experiences. So for instance, a friend of mine, she's six foot four. She's what we consider visibly trans, right? Like she's beautiful and stunning, but people know she's trans when she walks in the room and She's definitely fine with it. But I think she has difficulty when it comes to customs. So we've traveled together. She's a DJ. And so she's had issues that I have not had, which is even though her ID and stuff say female, you know, as trans people, we get to live in the fantasy of cisgender people's minds. And so, you know, being in customs in London was one of the most horrific experiences because they detained her for eight hours simply because they did not believe that she was really a woman. Wow. Right. Like those kind of experiences are ones that it's like, those are hard to prepare for. I encourage every trans person. I know anyone that's non-binary, anyone that's uh, gender non-conforming, right. Anyone that may have issues with, you know, security measures within airports. I encourage everyone to get global entry and TSA pre-check it has been a huge lifesaver for me. Not only do you get to keep your shoes on and you don't have to like unpack your suitcase at the TSA belt for the scanning. You just put it on the, on the runway belt thing and you walk through the little metal detector. But also like very rarely do I get pat down. I think before when I was just flying, you know, in the regular TSA line, like i've had people ask me to remove my uh is it a wig is it a weave can you remove it we need to see what's underneath i've had people you know not sure which gendered tsa agent they should send to over to me to pat me down like it's just it's, it's too much as trans people we just we just have to invest in the resources that exist to minimize those interactions as much as possible that's just what i believe like we do unfortunately have to go the extra mile and while we're educating the world to be inclusive of us i tell trans people all the time get tsa precheck like get global entry it just saves you so much of the headache that comes with traveling to start another thing i do to prepare to travel is you know making sure my phone is charged you know using apps like Lyft and Uber um because there's location tracking and GPS. Yeah, I treat my travel like as if I'm doing the travel itinerary for Beyonce, like making sure that <laughs> making sure that there's a safety plan that things are set up ahead of time when I get there, especially internationally. Like um doing a car service, like those are the, the extra mile things that I do to just maximize my safety. I usually if I'm traveling to another country, I prefer to stay in a hotel versus like someone's house just because, well, A, I like the amenities, but B, it's a standardized thing. Like you know there's always gonna be concierge. You know that the it's gonna be in a higher traffic area. Like you're not going into the remote area of the city and just staying at someone's castle and like not having an accountability person to check on you like those are all things that i consider
1: so Ari is given a lot of advice and shared things that she does for herself cam what advice would you give to a trans person or a gender non-conforming traveler
0: i would definitely echo global entry tsa pre-check those are very valuable Um, If you can afford it, having a person who knows what you're doing and where you're going, whether they're physically traveling with you or it's a friend back home who you can say, hey, I'm going out tonight. If you don't hear from me by X time, like, give me a call, see what's up. You can share your location with that person. But yeah, I think opting for Uber or Lyft over public transportation, or a standard cab is usually safer?
2: Mm, I have one more, Cam. I worked on a, a legislation here in California called SB 179, which allows trans people and, and gender nonconforming people to identify as non-binary on government-issued documents. We're happy that it passed, but at the same time, so many non-binary folks have had their uh, government documents changed, like birth certificate and state ID. And then they're having issues getting access to the federal documentation, like passports or social security. And so for folks who may be non-binary who are traveling, I highly recommend that people get their passport first with the gender marker that's like congruent to like how you look, how people perceive you, Mm -hmm. if that's your choice, and then change your state documentation to gender marker X. Mm
1: -hmm. Speaking of the public policy that you have done in San Francisco as well as California as a whole, do you see these types of efforts in other parts of the world and if so, where?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think India... They were the inspiration for us when we did our policy. The country of India, Hijra, is their religious spiritual classification for trans people. Trans people in, in Hijra in India are able to identify as such on their government documentation, and so uh, we, in some ways, replicated that in California. Places like New York, Rhode Island, Hawaii, um, other states have followed. So yeah. It's happening in different parts of the world.
1: Cam, you said that there are ways to make travel less stressful without foregoing air travel altogether for trans people. Can you share how someone like me could do that?
0: Like how a cis person could make air travel less stressful for a trans person? Yes. That's a good question. I would say... Just be as supportive as you can of your trans friend who you're traveling with. Get to the airport early, earlier than you would otherwise, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and just be there for them. I think that's the most you can do because as Aria said, you're kind of at the mercy of TSA in that moment.
1: Good to know. I
2: agree with Cam. I was going to add, I think what's helpful is if, Um, If you're traveling with someone that's trans, maybe just standing nearby, you know, and letting them know that you're going to, like, wait for them kind of thing. I've traveled with coworkers where they don't think about that. And then, you know, you're the one being detained all alone by TSA, and everyone's moved on to go get their burger at the, the airport restaurant. And, of course, everyone feels powerless, At TSA, I mean, you're getting naked for them, so Mm -hmm. there's a vulnerability that everybody shares. Um, But I think some of the best moments is like, if there starts to be a conversation between a TSA agent and a trans person just standing nearby and, you know, even just being like, it's okay, breathe, I'm gonna stand here um, while they, you know, search your bag or do this or do that.
1: Where do each of you wanna go next?
0: Post-COVID. A friend and I had a trip planned to go to Austin, Texas, which I've never been to. So I'm looking forward to doing that
2: after this. I would definitely say India, Greece, um, and Capri are on my list. Ooh, Croatia. Croatia in August would be really cute as well.
0: (laughs) I would say I also would love to go to India. I've never been to France, I would like to do that. Also Greece, not to just keep stealing Aria's places.
1: No, I mean, right?
0: Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> I've always wanted to do Bali, I've never been there.
1: Oh, you'll love it, I love Bali. Yeah,
0: those are a few uh, near the top of my list.
1: Awesome, well this has been a very amazing conversation. I've learned a lot just by listening to the both of you. Thanks so much to Ari and Cam for sharing their adventures with us. You can find Aria at ariasaid.com and on social at Aria Saeed. To learn more about Cam, you can find them on Twitter at Cam C. Burns. That's all for this episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Jamila Zaral Williams, Lena Beck-Sillison, and thank you to our digital executive editor, Deanne Kazursky at Travel and Leisure. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag, and you can find me, your host, Kelly, at Kelly Set Go. And that's Kelly with three E's.